I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. We're making sure Robin stays in town before we send him off to Chicago uh, for Big Ten basketball. But gentlemen, um, this is kind of the calm before the storm. Uh, We got NCAA March Madness starting up um, next week. Uh, But we got Matt Rule. We got a couple players this week. Spring practice will begin March 20th. This is the final week of winter conditioning. Then everybody's off for a week for spring break, and then they'll come back and begin spring ball. Lots to dive into uh, with Matt Rule in, in that that press conference. Uh, Sip, I, I just thought, you know, once again, obviously, the, he just knows how to carry himself, cover a lot of ground, says a lot, but doesn't say too much. I mean, he's just a, a real pro in these types of situations. He really is, and the reason they had it, I, get, I don't know what exactly. I never did see the release of the press conference of what the deal was, but I think they, they kind of dubbed it a post winter condition or yeah, winter, post winter conditioning press conference. Um, so he kind of wrapped that up, talked about the competitions they had. They split teams up into twelve player groups. Um, that's why they had people wonder why they have Fedoni, Thomas Fedoni, and Chief Borders. They did very well in their. And on their teams, well, Fedoni was the captain of his. He was the captain of the best team. Yeah, and led Border, by Garrett McGuire. And Borders was on that team, and he tied Teddy Prohaska for the highest individual point total. There you go. So that's why they had it. Yeah, I really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's content. You you got to you got to meet Chief Borders, mm-hmm. which is nice. And now you can see. Hell, you got to meet Thomas Fedoni. Yeah. Was that, his first formal interview as a Husker. Right? And they're both both those guys were really good. I mean, they're both they're both insightful, look comfortable. Kids are amazing to me in some ways. And you're right, Sean. Rule is a gem. I mean, he, for us, I mean, right now, we'll see what it looks like after he loses. I always have to throw in that caveat. But, yeah, the he's, once again, Nebraska, very strong in the offseason. <laughs> we got all the T-shirts, all the banners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once again, winning the offseason very well. Well, Chief Borders, and we're going to talk more about the players, but you heard a lot about him being kind of a leader behind the scenes, and you could see that, just how his demeanor, how he was. Yeah. I mean, you're like, God, this yeah. guy really represents. You immediately feel better when he walks into the room, like that smile and just how yeah. like happy he was. Like it's He genuinely way. like was excited to be there, and like that's, that's refreshing in a lot of ways, with especially – some of those November interviews where guys are just worn down. The last thing they want to do is talk. Yeah. Chief Borders was was loving every minute of that. He was. You're right. Now that you mention it, it kind of did feel that way when he walked in. It mm-hmm. did feel better. He's very – boy, he said that about himself, that he's very – he likes to smile. He's very easygoing. Um, I, and you know what? I'd heard he had a big personality when he came here. Someone told me that right away. Chief Borders and MJ Sherman. Mm. 
Um, they both have big personalities. And you, yeah, he definitely <laughs> saw it. And Fedoni's got a good Fedoni's got a good personality. I don't know what the hell we're talking about personalities for, but um, how about winning but, football? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they got nice personalities. That's all we got right now. Yeah. All right, you're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show. Let's delve into Matt Rule and and more of what he said. You know, I'm really fascinated just how he's trying to kind of build his version of Nebraska, and you know, it's different leadership events. It's being present at things. I mean, you heard him talk about he's seen Husker athletes at volleyball and beach volleyball and swimming and gymnastics and basketball men's and women's games i mean it's almost like a high school like you know where when you you're i didn't like, do that when i was in high school <laughs> <laughs> you're Maybe at lincoln you high or i'm at omaha Grove. you're like we're gonna go watch the girls soccer i didn't do game. that uh, but now but yeah. you might have went to the girls soccer game in yeah, high school yeah. for other reasons <laughs> oh boy well sean easy <laughs> um but yeah i know yeah he's really pushing that i mean he's really he's espousing that sort of one nebraska one nebraska unifying and i do and it makes makes some sense again i don't know what what it equates to exactly it's hard to quantify any of that but investment yeah yeah it's investment it's showing investment to the brand exactly where you're about the university you're not just a football player here for a few months Mm -hmm. you know you're you're an established member of the university athletic department the community isn't that a novel concept yeah I know. and so like this this off-season competition thing like what i thought was one of the most in- interesting parts was it's not just what you do in the weight room or what you do in the mat drills or the w- winter conditioning or whatever it is it's like how many community service acts are you going to go do are you showing up to class on time are you going to study hall study on time hall, right. are you spending time with players your teammates at events going to support other nebraska athletics and i think that's the sort of stuff I don't know. It's, it's something that I don't think has been emphasized nearly enough. And, you know, maybe it's just my perspective of it, but like how much this staff is emphasizing and pushing guys to get out of their comfort zones and not just hang out with their position group. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you do with these teams? You select a team, you need a big guy, you need a fast guy, yeah. you need a smart guy, you know, to, like you, you need all a these things. Guy. Yeah, you punctual guys. And so, like, you're not just hanging out with a bunch of receivers. You're not hanging out with a bunch of guys from Florida. You right. know, you're going out yeah. and you're picking a whole diverse group of 12 players that maybe otherwise wouldn't be hanging out yeah. at this point in the calendar. So there's, I think, so much value with what they're doing that goes well beyond football. Yeah, and I don't want to play it down in part because I'm looking at you right now. I'm looking at you cover a team that I remember you writing it in the summer about how Fred was doing team building type mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I sort of rolled my eyes. And but now, lo and behold, look at them. I mean, part of the reason Nebraska won six of its last eight games and is able to close out pretty pretty um, difficult wins, like the win on the road against Iowa, the win on the road against Rutgers. And I, I've read it. I've read what you've written. Is I do. We always wonder. That, we always have that conversation around here about how do you win close games. Well, part of it's chemistry. Mm-hmm. It's not all of it, but part of it. Part of it is just cohesion and. And banding together at those critical moments late. So maybe Rule looked at it and said, hey, they're four and eight, close games. We've had that conversation here, but he did allude to it the other day. This team's not that bad. They've been close. And now maybe it's precision and chemistry that gets them over the top. Well, guys, I'm going to throw a number at you 39. 39. The number of new players added to the roster. Mm. You've got to yeah, good get those guys kind of indoctrinated. You know, it, 30. Guys like Trey Palmer and O'Shawn, they were great 
stories last year. But, I mean, they, they were almost like paid mercenaries. I mean, they came in, they gave Nebraska their one year, they're going to go to the NFL. And, and that's good. That's what the transfer portal is going to do for a lot of teams in college football. But I, I think to take that next step, you need more than that. You need, I think so. you need a, a foundation, a program. And the, the Frost era, you know, they got in such a hole with some of their early roster moves that they just never got caught up. And that's, it, that's for sure. And rule has to obviously build what he's building and then, you know, get it stable and caught up right. where frost the first couple of years, everything just went wrong, you know, and then the players they took, it just didn't, none of it worked out. COVID and, didn't help. But Co- yeah. It, I mean, I don't want to make the, even the ones that you thought should work out, leave like Wandell right. Robinson. So a lot, yeah. um, it just, I think for rule, he's got to build his version of Nebraska and it's, it's getting that foundation and structure done. And these first three months have been huge. 100 and, 101 days when we talked to Rule, by the way. Yeah, they um, added 39, as you mentioned, 11 from the transfer portal. And that will be a high number. He has said that, right? Yeah, uh, Ed they're Ford not- said that at St. Michael's, too. He said that, that we won't have this many ever again. Mm-hmm. From the number of total recruits and the portal, like that's not a number we really want to go for much more. I mean, you can't. I mean, no. you cannot live on that no. many guys per year. The portal is never going away, but I think the ultimate goal is to have a foundation where you supplement through the portal. You're not building your team year in year out through the portal. You're getting a Trey Palmer to add to what is already a strong, cohesive culture where you have established veterans that know the program and are absolutely. Are, you know, natural leaders. Drug, though, the portal. It mm. is, it is. But if you lean too heavily on it, I mean, it can backfire on you. And like an addictive drug, you get way. the highs and the lows of it. Absolutely. And, and there's great days of the portal. Then there's days like, man, like we don't have much structure to our locker room because all these guys are brand new. Well, we've learned quickly that if there's, if for instance, if you need a tackle, and you're and you're saying you badly need a tackle, and you're just relying on the portal, good luck. If you're if you're if you need a Big time, talented, wide out. Yeah, everybody does. So good luck. I mean, now nil helps having an. NIL they had a tackle operation. for three days. Yeah, they. Yeah, was it three? Walter Two? Rouse, yeah. Yeah, Wednesday Walter to Rouse. Saturday. Yeah, was it Wednesday night? I was standing in the line at Runza, and Abby's like, "Guys, Walter Rouse decommitted," and I'm like, "What?" So I've, we've talked about that. I was in my kitchen, and I I didn't. I it was a surreal moment. Like it wasn't happening. I was like, no. It can't. I mean, the guy did like 17 <laughs> right. interviews about going to Nebraska. I was writing the story for us, and all the while I was thinking, "Am I? is this really going to get published here? I mean, it was odd, very odd. But anyway, yeah, you guys got it. And Listen, I don't, do, I don't like to do this every year where we say, yeah, it's going so well in the offseason. But I like what Rule's doing. I mean, it does look I good. Mean, it's all you can base it off of. Right. And so far, there's very little to complain about. With Nothing to What complain. they've done with their roster additions. Oh, one complaint. There's one. What's that? Haven't added enough big men. Well, yeah. They have. On the front. Defensive front. Both. But it's, that's Both. still incomplete. Line. I mean, they're not, they're, they still have time. They, yeah. They, they need to. But his hands are around Nebraska football. At this stage, much more than we saw from Scott Frost at the same stage, and much more than we ever saw from Mike Riley. Or Bo Pelini. Or Bo Pelini. I mean, it, it reminds you more of Callahan. I mean, Callahan definitely had his hands on the day-to-day. It was a different era, though. But he wasn't as public. No. N- not even close. No. I mean, now, I, I'm a huge fan of Bill Callahan, so I'm not. that's not a complaint about him. Some guys are just different than others. I mean, if I were a head coach, I wouldn't be public. I mean, I just, it's not my personality, nor was it Bill's. But I do, I kind of like this look. 
Uh, Matt seems to like it here. Again, it's all very, I mean, it's no games, no games. So you just want to see what it looks like after that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I really like the way it looks. And I love the CEO part. Yeah. Love there's, the CEO There's something part. to be said for unifying the fan base, too. Yeah. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more players, uh, Casey Thompson's status. We'll also hit on the NFL Combine. Nebraska had three players there. Uh, we'll share our thoughts on that and then get you ready for the pro day coming up later in March. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washed, as uh, we give some more final thoughts on the opening spring practice Kind of the pre-press conference, uh, as we heard from Matt Rule this week, Thomas Fedoni, Chief Borders. Lots to unpack from Matt Rule. Let's start with Casey Thompson. Um, I asked Coach Rule kind of his update, his outlook for the spring. Because, you know, Casey, at, at least publicly, when he spoke with me at St. Michael's, said by the end of March he'll be fully kind of cleared. But what does that mean? How much will he be allowed to do? And even Matt Rule didn't want to fully commit to kind of what we'll see from Casey Thompson this spring. Oh, I mean, he kind of did. He just said we won't, we're not going to see much. Yeah. He said he may be able to throw at some point, but I. He said I. I. I mean, he basically said don't look for him to practice mm-hmm. um, in any meaningful way. So I thought he kind of. I Sean, I thought he kind of closed the door on it a little yeah. bit. Like I don't expect him to play in the red white game right. or anything at this point. I think if he could just get out there and get some throws in, that's probably best case Mental scenario. Reps. Yeah, I mean, just just given this latest update um now rule also qualifies i don't know what he's doing on his own so like he's limited with whatever he's doing with us but you know casey's a resourceful guy i'm sure he's fine you know that's ways an interesting to... yeah rob you picked that out and i did too it was interesting that he said that rule just dropped in that that line of i don't know what he's doing away from the facility what two things struck me on that i think the head coach maybe should know that um, if he doesn't, if he really doesn't. Now, the other part of that is Casey's 24 years old, mm-hmm. and there's there's probably a, a pretty high degree of trust that Casey knows what he's doing. I still think the head coach should kind of know what's going on there. Especially with the guy that potentially could be your starting quarterback. Absolutely. You'd think that you'd want to <laughs> yeah. keep tabs on that yeah. and what he's doing off the field. Yeah, and my guess field. is he does know, yeah. actually, to, or has a pretty good handle on it. Sean's a big Sims guy, so I, we'll see where that all goes. Did this did this update change anything with you? I know no. this is the Thompson Sims debate. No, I've always been of the mind, guys, that Casey's not going to be able to win a job in the spring. Obviously, now, but the fact that he's hardly going to be able to do anything. I mean, how far does that set him back? So what happens now is June becomes very big, and July, mostly June. June becomes a critical month for Casey because you can make up some ground. It's it's organized. It's not just hey guys. You're running you know, seven on seven. Yeah, we're we're gonna go out and run some verticals today, and uh, nobody's keeping track. No, it's, it's 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 charted. Yeah, it's charted, and it's pretty organized. And I think, well, I know. I, I mean, from talking to Charles, 
that's Casey's kind of banking on starting to make his push in June. You're listening here to the Husker online show. Was that also interesting to hear him talk about Chubba Purdy? Yeah. Um, Heinrich Harburg. Did he mention Logan too? No. No, he hasn't. Okay, yet. I was going to say, I don't remember Logan. No, he didn't mention but Logan. But he talked no. about the speed of Harburg and Purdy as two of the fastest mile-per-hour guys on the team. I did not know that, that about Chubba. Well, Chubba ran. Okay, when I interviewed Chubba back in those early recruiting interviews, he ran in the four fives in high school. He was fast. That's like, fast. He's explosive. Um, mm-hmm. His is his body. You know, his body, his foot, and he's had some injuries mm-hmm. between his time at Florida State, collarbone injury, and then obviously last year in Nebraska. Well, the thing that Chubba will emphasize is that coming out of high school, he was a dual-threat quarterback. I mean, he was regarded as a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has that part. We all know Heinrich is a fabulous athlete. I mean, I mean he's one of the better-looking athletes over there. But still did surprise me when Rules said those were two of the fastest guys in terms of mile per hour. Well, Gabe Irvin's one of them. That too. they have, yeah, Irvin. Tommy hey. Hill's one of them. Yep. I want to ask you guys, and Sean, I'll start with you. This was brought up on the chat this week where with all this rave about Harburg's athleticism and his size, you know, people keep wanting to know, is there a chance would he change positions? What do you think? I, I think that conversation, if it comes, would have to come after the spring. I think they probably want to see what they have with him. Yeah. Because you could be down to – I mean, the transfer portal could hit you quickly at that position, and then all of a sudden he's your third guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Like, what's so Logan – what, I mean, so what are you looking at? Jarrett Sinek was getting – Snaps at Michigan. And now he left. <laughs> Sinek's gone. I mean, that's yeah, amazing. Sinek, so if you're looking at Heinrich in another position, are we talking about tied in? Tied in. Yeah. Or, like I mean, pretty good is that something in. you think he'd be receptive to? Mm. Or is he going to be like, no, I'm going to go play quarterback somewhere else? He's yeah. got a lot of good mechanics the way he throws the ball, but what kind of opportunities are, is he going to get at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, he's going to – I think that – Operating in an offense that's pretty complex is more challenging for some guys than others. Would North Dakota State like they like quarterbacks like that? Would he? Would would that? Would they look at a guy like that in a transfer? There? I mean, Maybe. there's places like that you want, or South Dakota State. Don't know. You know, and but he's invested so much in mm-hmm. being a quarterback. I mean, he, he's got really good mechanics and in, in the way he throws the ball, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot there to to Heinrich Harburg. I think so. I mean, those guys. After Sims and Casey, or Casey and Sims, they need to step up. I mean, Chubba needs to Chubba needs to grow as a quarterback quickly. Um, Torres needs to grow. I mean, you got to have a, a reliable three because of what you're saying. Heinrich too. And those are your guys. Yeah, the, I think that is kind of a question. I don't know if it's necessarily a spring question as much as a fall question. But who is the number three? That's yeah, I mean, always a question. Yeah. I mean, we know who the top two are. Who who's the third? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's a question that could change probably every single day. Um, I want to hit on this too, guys. NFL Combine, um, Nebraska had three guys there this weekend. Trey Palmer ran the fourth fastest overall 40, fastest wide receiver time, 4-3-3 at the NFL Combine. Travis Volkolek did not run a 40, but he benched and he did a broad jump, right, Robin? Nine, mm-hmm. Was it 9-10 broad? Yeah, it was 9-something. I don't remember the exact um, inch, but it was nine ten. well over 9. And then you obviously had O'Shawn Mathis, who you, you had a pretty serviceable workout. I don't think it was like a workout that blew off the page, but it was still a pretty, it was good. St- pretty strong workout. Yeah, it was okay. Um, no linemen there. I mean, that's the thing that I would keep harping on. No offensive linemen, no defensive linemen. Nebraska's got to get to where they're sending offensive linemen and defensive linemen to the combine, or it's just, or you're still going to be 4-8 and eight for an indefinite period of time. Um, 
but yeah, those I think all those guys did well. And I Trey, I wonder how much that it doesn't hurt his stock to run four three three. You just wonder how much it bolsters it. Mm-hmm. Most of those, as Evan Cooper told us, Sean, coaches go there knowing what those guys are. Um, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that Palmer surprised anybody by popping that. Um, in fact, it would have been a surprise if he didn't run the fourth. Right. Season. There were some draft analysts that, like, just going into this process, viewed him as a guy that couldn't take the top off of a defense. And I'm like, first of all, what Who the hell what did you that? watch? Yeah, yeah, if you're looking at any film from Trey Palmer. The right. Michigan game. So if nothing else, maybe. yeah, Illinois, you know, maybe those types of games where he couldn't get off the line. But, I mean, that at least settled that. I yeah. mean, if you're that's hitting four three three. That's not a question anymore. I just think he's a, a second, third, or fourth rounder. That's the question. Mm-hmm. Third rounder, probably. Did you guys see Jack Campbell from Iowa's combine? Yeah, so he measured 6'5", 250, 249, ran a 465 as an inside linebacker. Pretty good. Had a 37-and-a-half-inch vertical, a 10'8 broad, and a 424 shuttle. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he'll work. Yeah, I mean – he. And, and, and Could he go first round, Robin, or do you think he's an early second round guy? I'd probably say early second. But I haven't seen know. him in the first round, Sean. But he's like – No projection. He's like round. in the 40s probably, like somewhere in the pick 32 to 45 yeah. range. I mean, he's, he's a day two pick for sure. The guy who stole the show was Anthony Richardson, the yeah. Florida quarterback, who, by the way, completed 53.8% of his passes this year. And some people are betting on him to maybe be the number one overall pick. Now, there's a case where you'd say – yeah, he helped himself at the combine. He weighed he's I think what 6'4, 6'5, 244 plus pounds and jumped 40.5 inches. Mm. Um yeah, he he's a, his athleticism is incredible. Um it didn't but it wasn't like he put up great numbers at Florida. So it's it's a we- I think it's a weird discussion, but now people regularly analysts put him in the top 5 quarterbacks. I mean, Joel Klatt, um, oh, I was hurt, Keyshawn Johnson this morning. They, they roll out their top five quarterbacks in this class. And he, now Anthony Richardson is in every top five. Like, it's amazing Levis gets the love that he gets. Just, big arm. but Yeah, big body, big arm. I mean, he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford. Did, did pretty well at Kentucky. I know, I know. I'm just saying it's – he gets the Josh Allen kind of treatment. Oh yeah, yes, how that, yeah, he's kind of seen that in that. It light. goes in fact. I mean, who was that? Richard Sherman, the big corner. Mm-hmm. That was the year Stanley Jean Baptiste was coming out, and he got like this Richard Sherman bump in the draft, mm-hmm. and, and he really never made the NFL. Levis might be getting a little bit of that, but he has a legitimately big arm. He does. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk basketball. Robin's on his way to Chicago, so we're not going to get into talking about the tournament because it's day by day here. Uh, but we're going to recap the season, talk all Big Ten teams, and give some postseason outlook thoughts next. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. Uh, the regular basketball season has come to a close. Nebraska got one of their best wins of the year on the road at Iowa, completing the football basketball sweep, gentlemen, of the Hawkeyes. Rivalry. Doesn't that feel good? It's been a while. Yeah. First win in Iowa City since 2012. Were you so at that game? I was at that game. God, you're getting old, Rob. Tell me about it. <laughs> Rob, you're getting up there. You're I'm there well aware of this. You're the old <laughs> guy you. on the beat. Thank you. Yes, held I'm, up really well somehow. I'm the grizzled veteran of the you Nebraska basketball. don't look basketball. grizzled. I'm, I'm getting more grizzled by the day, I'll tell you that much. 2012, you were there covering it? Yeah, I've been covering this thing since 2008 for Sean. You're getting, yeah. you're both getting up I was there. in the Devaney. And that doesn't even count the DN days when I was there covering Barry Collier. Our friend Gabe DeArmond at Power Mizzou, he always jokes. He's like, now I'm kind of viewed out like my dad. You know, like his dad. And then like the guy from the Columbia Papers, like the guy named Va that used to cover the St. Louis paper for him. And he's like, yeah, we're like the old guys now. That's how Mm -hmm. we feel too. So it's been a grind, but it's been fun. (laughs) Okay, so they get the win in Iowa, which I know you were surprised because you picked Iowa. Yes, I picked Um, them to win. You picked them to come. Convincingly. I think you picked them to win by 14. 14, I think. You are the curse. (laughs) You picked them to win by 14. It's not true. I picked Nebraska to beat Wisconsin. They beat Wisconsin. So Nebraska won six of its last eight. Six of last eight. In the regular season, which which does what for Fred Hoiberg and the program? Well, for Fred, uh, I think that the conversation of any questions about his job security as far as this offseason or that book's closed. Now it might be revisited if they completely fall off again next year. We'll see. I don't see that happening. But um, that, I mean, at least we got some, some clarity on that discussion to where, like, people wonder if Trev needs to put out a statement or anything. No. Nope. Have to put out a statement. This basically answered itself yep. with the way that they've been playing. And then, you know, I think that this is the first sustained success Nebraska basketball has had in Big Ten Conference play in a long time. And you got a lot of young guys that were part of that and benefited from that with their experience, and now they've tasted it. You know, whereas before you'd get a win here or there, but now these guys know what it feels like to go on a run in the Big Ten and to have momentum going into the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of value in that, especially looking ahead to next season. You know, Jamarcus Lawrence has played some winning basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wilhelm Breidenbach, C.J. Wilcher, maybe Casey Tomanaga if he comes back. So Blaze Keita. Blaze Keita, yeah. Who else? Who, who hasn't been playing much. But Denim Dawson. Dawson, yeah. Jack Hoiberg. Or, sorry, Sam Hoiberg. Sam Hoiberg. Sam yeah, Hoiberg. can't forget Sam Hoiberg. Um, so, I mean, that, I think, is when you kind of take away from this run. Obviously, it's kept it's turned this season around and kind of put that carrot of potential postseason berth right there for the taking. Uh, but I think big picture, the benefit of this stretch for those younger players has been invaluable. And, if, um, you know, like I said, we're taping this on Tuesday, so we'll see what they do in Chicago and beyond. But um, they're going to get some postseason taste now and then that just that experience is something they can build upon going into next year to where you know, we talk about with football having that core group that you supplement through the porter portal is the absolute way you want to do it as opposed to going clean slate all porter every single offseason yeah robin you're one of two nebraska media voters for the all big 10 team i believe kent babelka is the other one and mm-hmm. Um, those aren't easy to do. I, I, I've done football before. I know Sipple's done football before. And those teams are hard because there's a lot of close calls. And kind of clarify, you get you get to select 10 people, right? Right. So you, you select 10 players in order. And I think where they're selected, they get more points based off of that. 
So 10 for the first team, 10 for the second team. And so like when they release it, mm-hmm. there are three teams. There's a first, second, third. You only vote for two. And then okay. based on where they're picked with the well, points, yeah. it, it all kind of averages out. Yeah. So, um, And then you get one vote for player of the year, freshman of the year, coach of the year. Did your ballot hold out? I mean, any, any big... Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's what six guys on the first team, you know. So like, I, I well, the media, just go by the media. Yeah, that, that's what I'm doing. So I mean, so like the the five guys I picked all made it. I didn't have Boo Booey on the first team or Hunter Dickinson. Um, I had Jameer Young first team. He ended up second. So, you know, I mean, there there was some some differences, but there was a lot of obvious. Did ones. you have Walker on the second? Yep, I had Walker second. So I, I had him fourth overall on the second team. So I and guess fourteenth overall. When you could only pick. 10 players Tomanaga it's, a, it's hard to I mean yeah. people a lot of talk about Casey Tomanaga not making these teams but when you can only do 10 it's really hard to justify him from wire to wire as one of the 10 best yeah, guys because right? he, he didn't do anything the first half of the season I mean he was just a, a bench guy playing spot minutes with a couple of you know he, here and there double digit scoring performances so uh, you kind of got to separate what he did during this late season turnaround versus the whole overall body of work um, that a lot of these other guys that made the team were far more consistent from start to finish. So, you know, it's, it's, he got honorable mention from both coaches and media. I guess maybe you could make the case, but you look at the guys that are on that second and third team, who do you take off? Every one of those guys are in their spots. So I got to ask you, I might as well ask you because you're going to be getting asked this a lot. How soon will we know about Tominaga? Yeah. How, how, you're going to be asked that a lot. Yeah. So the conversations, I would assume, usually what happens is once the season comes to a close, and so okay. we don't know when that's going to be. Um, if they end up making the NIT, then it's going to prolong it even further. But after the season is officially over and done, a lot of times they take a week and have guys just kind of do their thing. Everybody regroups. And then they come back and start doing individual coach player one-on-one meetings and so that i think is going to be when hoiberg and and the assistant coaches and um, other people involved with nebraska's athletic department and nil collectives all kind of put together the reasons why he should come back and then they're going to match that up with the reasons why he should move on and take a pro career in japan so um, that all will happen like i said within the next maybe two, maybe three weeks after the end of the season. Okay. They're going to have some long conversations. Um, I'm sure that both parties are all already starting to figure things out now, but the real like tangible discussions aren't going to happen until at least a week or two after the season. Okay. Robin, will Sam Hoiberg go on scholarship? It depends. I mean, it, like if, I mean, they, yeah, if they have an open spot, yeah. But, you know, he's a guy that they have the luxury of. He doesn't necessarily need to be on scholarship. But Obviously. Uh, yeah. I mean, but he's certainly earned it. I mean, with the minute, he's like one of their first guys off the bench right now. And he's given really productive minutes, making big plays to help them win games. So um, I don't think anybody would argue it. But, you know, if if you have the opportunity to give those scholarships to other players while still retaining Sam Hoiberg as a walk-on, that's the ideal situation. And let's talk big picture. I, I don't want to get like NCAA tournament discussion, but in order to host an NIT home game, because I think we both agree they're going to be in the NIT do you think they got to win one or two to get a host? Well, uh, going into the tournament, they're already projected to host right now, and a lot of that has to do with what's happened in these other conference and a tournaments. Projection of beating Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so I think if you beat Minnesota, you're in for sure. Like that—that that ends the NIT conversation. Then beyond that, 
is the debate of whether or not they host. So you beat Minnesota, I think you're in a very good spot to host, especially given where they are going into the tournament. Uh, you add another win on top of that. Um, you know, there is they, they, the NCAA doesn't like to say it, but the money is a factor when it comes to seeding. Obviously, they, they want to make it look like it's all based off record, but when you have a Nebraska sitting there with that resume, mm-hmm. plus you're guaranteed to get 10000 plus, mm-hmm. and it's going to make great TV, it's going to sell a bunch of tickets, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to be a, a really attractive home matchup for that first round, there's a lot of value there. So mm-hmm. I think that will work in Nebraska's favor to some degree as long as they take care of business against Minnesota and can keep themselves in that situation. I mean, they, they just get killed in the net ranking, though. Like, no matter yeah. what, it's like they go, when they win a game, they, like, go down in the net. Well, which it's because they keep winning close, and that's not offsetting the blowout losses that they had earlier in the year. I mean, they had multiple double-digit losses this season that have really crippled them, especially earlier in the year. So, yes, they've really turned it on, and, you know, I I don't agree that those, like, metrics from November should be – equally weighted as what you're doing in February and March. Uh, but that's just me, but that's kind of how the formula is written out. So the good news is when it comes to NCAA tournament seating, the net is just a guideline. Like when it comes to the the committee picking teams, they're going to lean far more heavily on the KPI, which is Nebraska's in the sixties right now and strength of record, which Nebraska is also in the sixties. So they are significantly higher in metrics that the committee is going to look at far more than what the net kind is, of ask is yourself this too how many teams in the big 10 robin could go six and two over that stretch nebraska played and there aren't a lot i mean that's that's no. not easy to do in this league i mean there'd be a lot of five and threes and mm-hmm. four and fours but six and two is about as good as you're going to see anybody in the big 10 do over an eight game stretch. when they won those four in a row that at the time was the longest winning streak in the conference so i mean just winning four in a row oh, is rare i mean look hard at purdue like yeah. <laughs> look at the final conference standings That's what I'm like 12 wins got you second place right no team just ran the table oh. and so you know that's that's what makes purdue's uh case for matt painter being coach of the year he didn't chris collins got it from northwestern but Painter was the one guy that you know they finished three game the three game lead in that conference with that type of parity. So did you vote for Painter? I voted I voted for Collins. Oh, you did. And you know they uh, drilled Nebraska. When they yeah, came in here. and a lot of that had to do with where they were projected. I mean, they were they they far surpassed anything that they were supposed to do, whereas Purdue did what it was supposed to do. Most disappointing team in the league is Michigan. Ooh. Rutgers. Rutgers. Rutgers has really fallen off. The thing is, they're still probably going to make the tournament. Um, Don't you have to go Rutgers? Yeah, Rutgers is in that conversation. I don't, Michi- want, I don't Mich- want to say Wisconsin. Will Michigan make the tournament? Why don't you want to say Wisconsin? Right now, no. Why don't you want to say Wisconsin playing on the first day of the Big Ten tournament? Yeah. Or would you say Ohio State is the most disappointing? Yeah. That's the one. Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Yes. Because of where they were. I mean, they were top 25 team at one point and then they just completely fell off now they had injuries but so did nebraska nebraska found a way to do it whereas i mean ohio state's playing better lately but man they were they were going through it for a while there uh so yes as far as like where they were projected to be where they started the season and how much they fell off the answer is ohio state ohio state all right, when we come back, Abby Barmore will join the show. We'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Huskar Line Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Zippel, Robin Washa. Let's bring in Abby Barmore uh, to the discussion. She's in between Husker baseball games right now. Appreciate you uh, stepping in, Abby. And what do you have to lead the mailbag off? Outside of Fedoni, Borders, and Prohaska, have you heard of any other high performers this winter? Uh, yeah, Buccini, obviously. Rule was very – I mean, he said Buccini's the toughest special teams player or one of the toughest special teams players ever had. Mm-hmm. Brian Buccini, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we've heard Evan Cooper say that he coaches Quentin Newsom like he's an NFL player all, already. And he said of Malcolm Hartzog, he's the – type of guy you win with he's Hartzog I mean that's not all he said about Hartzog he was effusive Cooper Evan Cooper in his praise of Malcolm Hartzog those are guys you hear I, about I know it's early but Xavier Betts the, the praise out of him is off strong. the record praise off the record yeah I mean nobody asked about him publicly but right. I have heard, I mean I know he's up to 206 and I know he's added 18 pounds since coming back and we saw an early picture of him before he kind of came back and he did look skinny remember how yeah, and he's kind of got back. And, you know, like Bill Moose made that joke. He goes, you know, when you're a high-level athlete, you can't put bad fuel in a sports car. And I think now Betts is back on track. I'll be really curious what his spring looks like. Yeah. How about Omar Brown, just firefighter carrying Teddy Prohaska during those drills? You see that video rule put out? I see that. That's a deal where, like, they carry each other. And so Teddy's – Well, Teddy's, he's got a bad back, Teddy's Omar carrying Brown. Brown, and then they flip and – Big old Teddy Prohaska gets on Omar Brown's back, and he just carries him, just mans up. When Omar Brown, three hundred and thirty pound dude, I believe his injuries last year. His back injury. Or back injuries. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm startled. I am startled by this well, conversation. Clearly, his back is doing well. <laughs> At least it was. Yeah. <laughs> Until Tuesday. What do you got next, Abby? Before ever seeing a practice or a game under the new staff, what do you think the fans will notice different right away? Mm. Say that again, please. Before seeing a practice or a game under the new staff, what do you think that the fans are going to notice that is different right away? Hey, More tight ends and fullbacks. Huddles. Huddles. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Huddles. They are going to huddle. No more of this. <laughs> like that's the quarterback clapping. Yeah. At the, and then looking up at the, at the box, looking back. Yeah. They want the quarterback – to be able to communicate with a cadence and, and, and do the other things under center. Yeah, you're communicating. I got to call a play in the huddle. And with Imagine the game that. of football eliminating like the clock stoppages on, on the incomplete passes and first downs, uh, not incomplete passes, but the first, I mean, there's going to mm-hmm. be less plays in the game. So, you know, I, I do think it, this style that they want to do, it, it will be better. I mean, you, you well, you got to be more efficient now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we, we've talked about this before, but what, Frost at one point said, you know, in the American Athletic Conference, when you're running 80, sometimes even close to 90 plays in a game, you could have some throwaway plays and, you know, just get them next time. Uh, In the Big Ten, when you're down to 55 plays sometimes, you can't have throwaway plays. you got to be much more efficient. And maybe being in a huddle, having eye-to-eye communication, uh, slowing it down a little bit, 
you maybe that leads to more efficiency. That's what you hope. What do you got next, Abby? What is your take on Nebraska's winter conditioning team competitions? It's fun. I mean, I, I think it, you got to create ways to engage players to want to compete and have fun during a time that's really not fun. It's cold out. It's dark out. You're yeah. sore. You're sweaty. Yeah. Yeah, you're, up, you're up early. The girls aren't watching you. The fans aren't watching I mean, yeah. it's just you. And I think that's what's kind of cool about this. They've created a way to build a culture internally where these guys are competing and having fun doing it when it's really not fun. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like listening to Rule talk, Matt Rule, talk about Thomas Fedoni having to get on a group chat and getting 10 guys organized, 11 guys organized to go to a beach volleyball match. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy to do. It's not easy to, it's not easy for Sean to get us organized to do this. It's not. And so you got to get, you got to get 11 people organized to go at a set time to do something. That's, that takes leadership. Well, and the Fedoni that, embraced that. Yeah, the fact that they picked the leaders too. Like these weren't like volunteers. Did, yeah. yeah, I mean, so they said, Thomas, you're going to be a captain. And like put him in that situation where maybe maybe he doesn't step into that leadership role without yeah. getting that sort of responsibility right. put on him. Um, one more note on that Omar Brown thing. I just saw that. So he carried Teddy Prohaska for 106.6 yards. How, how is That is incredible. I know. That's on a, a back, strong. On a bad back. It's a strong man, though. That's absolutely true. He could be a surprise guy, Omar Brown. 195 pounds. He was an all-American. He was an all-American at Northern Iowa, and it was the injury situation that kind of kept him limited last year. Mm -hmm. Safety. I mean, he's a safety. He's at a pretty strong position, right? I mean, you got you got Miles Farmer back. You got Buford back. Isaac Gifford can play back there. You brought in the kid from uh, Corey Collier from Florida. He, who am I missing, Sean? Two things though. Who am he, I missing? I mean, Singleton. Yeah, Singleton. Gifford. Yeah, I mentioned Gifford, but yeah, they got guys there. That's the thing. Omar Brown, Jaleel Martin, Kobe Bretts. Yeah, Buford though coming off knee injury, and Farmer, yes, has played, but in terms of this miles per hour metric, he's not fast. <laughs> he's limited. He is limited with speed. I'll tell you where he's not limited in the Here's box. The video. He's not limited in the box. So, well, yeah. Sip, look at your screen. That's, that's oh yeah, I got it. Watch him. Okay, I want to see this. Look at him just pick this up Prohaska. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> That is amazing. It's like you carrying Husker online on your back. So that's right. Every day. <laughs> Every day. Every day, sip going to work. Look at that. Look at that man. <laughs> Look at that man. That's amazing. Oh, it's multiple. There you go. Reps. There you go. There you go. Beast. That is yeah, 106.6 yards. It's really impressive. Total. That he carried a 320-pound dude on his back. Yeah, that's impressive. All right, what do you got next, Love Abby? It. We've had a few questions about this. So, for winter conditioning, what do the black jerseys mean, mm. and what are all the colors mean? Elite, elite is the black color. So, if you're in that black jersey, you're in the elite group, and there are only so many guys that are in the black, and then there's different levels of colors, and they haven't really specified what the gray. I think red is yeah. you're not doing Red's well. not good. Yeah, red's not good. Who's in red? That's the next no, yeah, question. You don't, want to see, you don't want to see yourself in red. I'm guessing the red jerseys don't make the videos very often. I don't think so. We also don't know who Mr. Irrelevant is when they did the point scoring. Somebody who was in last place was a former starter. Matt Rule called him out without calling him out. Yeah. So, former or could, I mean, we don't he know. He said he was a starter he last year. He was a starter year. last year. Hello. And I, I don't want to speculate. No. no. So we don't know. We're not no. going to speculate. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, I think, another value is 
they're rewarding guys that are stepping up, but they're also calling out calling guys out that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think there's just as much value in that. Yep, I agree. Next 100%. question. Does Nebraska ball take a big step back next season since they lose Greasel, mm. Walker, Bandamel, and potentially Kese Tomonaga? It's a lot to replace. There's no doubt about it. They're going to have to do some work on the portal. We're going to have to get some immediate impact guys, point guard, scoring wings, maybe scoring guard if Kese leaves, and you know, obviously more post-depth, uh, maybe some more offensive options in the low post uh, with losing Derek Walker. But they're also bringing back a pretty good core. I mean, Jamarcus Lawrence, I think, is going to be a dude you can he, build he around. He can't play point guard? He can. He can play point guard like Emmanuel Bandamel played point guard, okay. where like he can do it. It's not his primary position, okay. but he can do it. Okay. Um, and then obviously you get like, – we'll, we'll see who all comes back, but I think you got some core pieces with him. you got some uh, you know, guys like Wilhelm, maybe CJ, uh, Dunn Dawson, um, Sam Hoiberg, who we talked about, Blaze Kata. So, I mean, you've you got a, a foundation that – with the experience they gained, like we talked about over the end of this year, you supplement that with some impact transfers. I don't see a significant step back, especially with the culture that they built from the end of last I, season to I, now. I think Jamar, Jamarcus Lawrence could be a guy that comes comes back and averages fifteen a game. Yeah, he could be the, he could be their top guy. He that combination he has of extreme speed, which he has extreme speed. Wouldn't you say? With the ball, he's pretty fast and beautiful touch. I mean, he's got a beautiful shot. Yeah, I mean, that's what he was known as in high school as a shooter. Oh, he's a beautiful shooter. But, I mean, beautiful. He's finishing at the rim. And yeah. he's so you don't think he's as fast? I, I think he's fast with I mean, the ball. extreme. I'm thinking like Tyson Walker at Michigan State. Like I'm not saying he's De'Aaron Fox, but he's yeah. fast. He's, he's fast. fast. Yeah, He's fast. All right. Great athlete. Plays downhill. Oh, no, he say. does play downhill. Final question, Abby Barmore. If you need a coffee, what drive-thru are you going to, and what's your order? <laughs> right here, Abby. <laughs> Show the camera. I'll hold it up to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, like <laughs> I, McDonald's. I mean, Rob and I are on the same page on this. We like to make Nespresso's at home, but you make more money than I do. Um, oh, <laughs> I have a coffee maker at my house, but I, I will say, like the Starbucks. <laughs> and Robin, you introduced me to this. The Starbucks mobile ordering, oh yeah, is life changing. Oh, is it now? Because yeah. you don't have to interact with anybody. You, you don't you have to interact. Show up and get your coffee. And it's well, and you don't wait in line. And like the South Lincoln Pine Lake Starbucks, I know at one time was like the busiest one okay. in the in the state. And I mean, what, okay, the, what are you getting at here? And the line would be yeah. just ridiculous if yeah. you wanted to call. Now you just put, put put it in your phone, drive there in five or ten minutes, and your drinks just sitting there. And you leave and go. Wow. Yep. And the mistake I've made is I got my wife. She she drinks. A drink there and she never did for like 15 years of being with my not wife. coffee though it's a it's a refresher like a strawberry <laughs> fruit drink yeah and she does the mobile order on there and it's like oh every day just about every day how <laughs> much is that a day five bucks that's, that's not so bad you can handle that yeah yeah see here's the thing about mcdonald's this is 152 uh, apparently on the chat someone says that you're doing it wrong speaking of mobile apps the mcdonald's yeah. mobile app will get you one dollar oh coffee Really? So you're spending an extra like 70 cents. A day. But they ask you for your number and everything, and it seems like a kind of a. Like every app? Mm, I see people doing it all the time, and it's t- it takes a lot of time. <laughs> Abby, sure. Abby will get you set up. Okay. I, I mean, you get good coffee, like the, <laughs> the mill down here. Yeah. I mean, they'll hand make your shots for you with a, a real yeah. press. When I have time, I'll go into a place like the mill or something like that. But on the drive through, usually Starbucks. Abby, what about you? What's your coffee? 
Um, I actually don't really like Starbucks, but I love Dunkin'. Dunkin's my mm. go-to for sure. Is that right? You're not a Starbucks mm. fan. Yeah, I just don't like the way that the coffee tastes. I'm tastes. with you. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't think like it tastes kind of burnt. Mm. God, that's a good take, Abby. <laughs> it does taste a little <laughs> burnt. It's a take. I don't I'll agree take. with it. It's a take. It does taste a little burnt. <laughs> when you go to Dunkin' Donuts, so if you don't tell them, like, won't they just make your coffee like with the sugars and the cream in it automatically? Isn't there like a standard like Dunkin' way they call it? I don't it? know that, Abby. I, I don't know that either. I don't just get like plain coffee from them. So it freaked me out. I ordered like a black coffee or something. And it was like loaded up with stuff. I'm like, mm. whoa! Like, I mean, there's like a they, they put they like pride themselves in putting all the stuff in when they give it to you. No I told I, I'll tell you one interesting coffee thing I had real quick. Krispy Kreme. I went through Krispy Kreme and asked for an Americano. They said they don't. We don't do Americanos. What? At Krispy Kreme, they don't do Americanos. But she said I can try to make one. I said, Yeah, do it. Oh my God, it was bad. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what the. I don't know what she put it's in. It's just there. espresso and water. Yeah. Like, well, she messed it up. How do you screw up. that up? Yeah. It was. It was incredible. You run into that at McDonald's too. Some McDonald's will make an Americano and some. Yeah. Some look at, look you, at you like you're like you're not in America. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Americano is a standard European coffee. Okay. I mean that's. It's espresso and hot water. Yeah. But anyway, great hey. coffee discussion. When coffee we come talk. back, we will close the show. We're talking some Iowa Hawkeyes. They're in the headlines oh, for the wrong boy. reasons. Mm. You're listening here to the Oscar Light Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, and we will be back next week. We're going to do a special spring football preview show with Sip and I and Abby. Um, Robin will still be at Big Ten, but we are going to tape a show as well for next week. Uh, previewing spring football, but lots going on in the Big Ten. Ohio State opened spring practice this week. Michigan's like in week three of spring ball already. But the big story in the league right now is Iowa SIP, and there's a lot of turmoil going on um, that involves the athletic director now of Iowa, Gary Barda, where you've got state lawmakers in the state of Iowa does, um, you know, demanding that he either resigns or is fired on this latest development. Yeah, the sti- what, what the story is, and this is I'm, I'm reading straight from the Gazette of Cedar Rapids, the state appeal board on Monday okayed paying $4.2 million to settle a, ra- a racial discrimination lawsuit from two years ago brought by former Haw- Hawkeye football players against the school and this is despite opposition from the state auditor and from Kirk Ferentz and Iowa's coaching staff. Now, so yeah, it's things are kind of tense in Iowa because of that $4.2 million settlement. $2 million of that total is to come from the state's general fund, meaning taxpayer money. So you can imagine um, the reaction it's getting. Um, Kirk Ferentz is, I mean, certainly Gary Bard is under fire, the AD. So is Kirk, though. It's another thing with, where Kirk's going to have to dig in his heels, which he is. I mean, Ferentz is digging in his heels. And it's interesting following this without getting into it too much. What, what really hits you during these, these sorts of stories and these sorts of circumstances is how the level of sophistication that head coaches need at this level 
I mean, if you read Kirk Ferentz, he, he's got – he understands the legal system at a high level. He understands his situation as it applies to this. And it does require a level of complexity and sophistication that a lot of coaches couldn't handle. Kirk Ferentz handles it well. My, my guess is Matt Rule could handle something like this. I think back to COVID. When Frost, Sean, you remember, Rob, you remember the level of complexity that Frost was dealing with that had nothing to do with jet sweeps mm-hmm. or, you know, cover two or anything like that. It's that job at, at places like Iowa, places like Nebraska, places like Ohio State, the level of complexity is incredible. I mean, I mean, if someone, if, if 12 players like happened at Iowa come forward with allegations of discrimination, you got something on your hands that, that that has nothing to do with beating Nebraska or Minnesota. You know, it's fascinating to watch. And you know, Ferentz handles it really well. But man, yeah, he's he's really under fire. He's right dealt now. with a year. I mean, think about his son. Well, think of yeah, yeah, with Brian Ferentz. And, well, and Brian Ferentz, by the way, is one of the people that were named in this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Ferentz family is has had a heck of a hard year i know when i was out in iowa city this last weekend that was obviously talk about that amongst some of the iowa writers that i was talking to and you know they they kind of knew that this was headed that way that they were going to take the settlement and from what they had heard uh kirk was about as livid as you could expect that iowa chose to do that without any consultation of the coaches of the coaches yeah he did not know about basically it admits guilt you know? Yeah, I think he wanted it to go to trial. He did, because he was going to fight it all the way. Yeah, he was And so fight it all not way. only both the financial aspects of it, but just the, the look of basically them saying, yes, we did this, mm-hmm. and we admit to it. Here, take our money. You know, like, I think that was something they never wanted, Ferentz never wanted to go down that road, but people above him decided to go ahead with a different route. And so the internal issues within the university and the oh, athletic yeah. department. Oh, yeah. It's a major I, deal right oh, now. Oh, yeah, it won't be and a major it, deal. Does it become like a fireable cause down the road, like where you don't have to pay somebody all their money? I don't think so. He was – the coaches involved, which Kirk was involved, The obviously. strength coach. The yeah, old Chris Doyle, Doyle. Seth Wallace was a linebacker's coach. Brian Ferentz, those were the guys named. Now, but they were removed. Day, days ago, they were – their names were removed from the lawsuit. So, no, I don't. I don't. Well, and Doyle left. I don't think it can be. Doyle punitive. left right at the beginning. Remember? Well, Doyle left and got a million dollars from Iowa, $1.1 million. Because they sabotaged. I mean, his career is kind of over at that point. I don't know what yeah. he's doing now. Well, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about guilt or innocence here because I don't know. Um, but there was a settlement reached, and it's, yeah, it's causing a firestorm in the state of Iowa. Yeah, the kind I mean, of headache you don't want if you're a head coach. And I, I think Kirk want, wanted a situation where his son Brian would take over for him. And I think we know that's not going to happen. Ship has sailed. And I, okay. what's next for Iowa? I mean, that's the question. If they if he retires at any point in the next year, like and a, new, and a new AD comes in now too, like they're a whole different Iowa. Yeah, Kirk. I don't I don't see any signs of Kirk retiring now. Barda's situation is Gary Barda, the AD. His situation is much more tenuous. His his contract is up in 2024. Kirk's is signed. Uh, I mean, it's a long term deal. Kirk's got a long term deal. I think he could coach till he's 73 or 74. He, he, his deal doesn't end anytime soon. I he seems like the type of guy. 
I hate to invoke Paterno in this conversation, but the kind of guy to dig in his heels. But what and, if what if Bart is gone and he's already got this tenuous relationship with the university side of it? Like, I mean, is that something he wants to continue with? Kirk's pretty powerful. Well, what if a new AD comes in that's not going to want to work with him? Kirk's pretty powerful. I mean, he's been there that twenty contract plus years. Is pretty powerful. Yeah, he's yeah he's got some power. He does. I know there'd be a new AD. But if they start losing, coming a new AD come in and remove Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, if they start losing, there would be a window of opportunity, I and mean, well, they might. They're not exactly loaded up right now. You know what's going to change Iowa is when the divisions go away. Yeah. Well, it'll change everybody. It's going to change everybody, yeah. but Iowa, you know, really benefited off the West, and then they yeah. always got like yeah. the Indiana Rutgers Maryland draw. Easy on that show. No, I'm. They didn't play Ohio State for like ten years. But they just it was did. ridiculous. But they just like did. They, this was their first game in Columbus since like 2014 or they something. They played Penn State though regularly. Yeah, that, that was kind of the one they got. They, but they never had to play Ohio State, and Nebraska played Ohio State for six straight years. That got in your craw, didn't it? <laughs> Well, because <laughs> it got guys fired. I mean, yeah. the Ohio State no, game you're right. gets I mean, you, you got, fired. I yeah. mean, you get your doors blown off. Yeah. It screws yeah, up we your saw whole here. season. Oh, yeah, we saw it here. We saw you're it right. No, that's Riley. fair, Sean. That's fair. We saw it with how many different coaches? Two Riley, for sure. Frost. Didn't Bo. I mean, Bo with, with Urban Meyer yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Doors blown off. You're right. Doors blown off by Ohio State. Sometimes it's hard to recover. But then the, the critic can say, well, you're Nebraska. You should be able to play in that game. Absolutely. I mean, that's what you know. I you, think that that goes with it. Yeah. You know, those are often nationally televised games where, if you're a program like Nebraska, and you consider yourself a team that should be competing for championships, and you're losing by 45 at home, you know, that's that's hard to overcome as a head coach. Just wrapping it up, I, it just I'll tell you what the the only way you can say it at Iowa right now is it's unhealthy. It's not a healthy yeah. situation. A it's of, not a lot of interesting dynamics yeah. going on. Across the board there. All right. Well, lots to follow. Robin will obviously have full coverage of the basketball weekend, so make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com as hopefully it's a long stay in Chicago for Robin. And then Abby and the crew will have lots of baseball coverage as well. Uh, Nebraska baseball is on. Like They're going to play like dang near 15 home games out of like 16 or some crazy number. So um, there'll be plenty of home baseball. Unfortunately, the weather's going to be in the 40s. Just about every day in March, but uh, hopefully you can get over to Haymarket Park and catch Will Bolt's crew. Had a great weekend in Minneapolis, highlighted by a 5-3 win over Vanderbilt. If you're not a subscriber to Husker Online, check us out. $29.99 get you access until August 31st. Also, like, follow us on YouTube, and download or subscri- subscribe to our podcast anywhere you can find podcasts. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.